my guest on the podcast today is Dan O'Hara. Dan is the marketing director at Demica. Demica is an exciting and high-growth fintech company. In this episode, we talked about building a fintech brand and marketing in the financial services industry. We also talked about um, how important it is to know which rules to follow and which ones to break if you want to build an innovative brand. And finally, we talked about the power of leveraging proprietary and unique content that really adds something to the conversation. I've had an amazing chat with Dan and I hope you enjoyed as well. Dan, thank you so much for work, uh, for for coming to this uh, episode today. Uh, today, guys, I'm with uh, Dan uh, O'Hara, who is a marketing director at Demica. Uh, so yeah, thanks again for uh, for joining me, uh, uh, Dan. Before we start, maybe you could uh, tell us a bit more about yourself. Sure. So I mean, first, thanks for having me, Vadis. I'm excited to. Um... Uh, be on the podcast. Um, so yeah, like you said, uh, my name is Dan O'Hara. I'm uh, the marketing director at a company called Demica. Um, we're a you know a relatively uh, large but very um, fast-growing fintech, um, working in the financial services space, specifically around working capital technology solutions. Um, so working with corporates and um, and banks on how they basically get get funding and capital in the most efficient ways um i've been there not for very long actually um so i've been uh, at demica for around three months before that i spent five years uh, at a company called refinitive um also in the financial services space i was leading their uki marketing function um they were a much larger company about sixteen thousand people um uh globally and you know uh, about six billion dollars annual revenue so i've gone from sort of the the very large corporate to demica which is a bit smaller around 200 people and uh you but 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 faster growing before that i was i was running marketing um uh, at an, another uh, company in the financial services space called standard and pause um and um before that i was at a professional services organization so uh been working in marketing for around 10 years, um, really predominantly in financial services, in financial markets, but in a variety of sorts of contexts and a variety of roles, some slightly more B2C focused, some the predominantly as I've moved through my career more B2B focused. But, you know, um, I feel like at every stage of the way the, the the organizations have slightly changed shape, the sizes of them, the purpose and, and what marketing um, does within those has changed shape. So I feel like I've been basically on a, a, a long learning curve my entire career, um, which I hope is continuing. Awesome. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, this is actually one of the reasons I was really excited to, to talk to you because I uh, haven't received anyone on the podcast yet about, you know, that is, has this strong focus on financial services and, uh, and this industry in particular. So, uh, you know, what's, what do you like about this industry? Like you've been working in this industry for almost 10 years now. What's the, you know, what do you enjoy about it? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, because I think, you know, on first instance, some people would look at the financial markets and financial services. You know, if you're a marketer going into starting out your career, I'm not sure people would say, oh, I really want to work for a bank or I really want to work for, you know, a financial services technology firm. Um, certainly when I was starting out my career 10 years ago, that wasn't the, the cool thing to go do. You know, the cool people were going to, off to work for 
either you know some small tech companies some startups or some uh you know or maybe even like some uh fmcg groups like unilever and you know like working for brands that people had heard of uh and used on a day-to-day basis i think marketing's changed a lot over the 10 years that i've uh been working in it um and part of that change i think has made the industry i'm in more interesting which is financial services has changed the rise of fintech has changed what financial services means so they're just more exciting interesting innovative brands to work for now and then secondly i think what you've seen and you know um for any sort of marketing nerds who probably read marketing week and mark ritson a lot i think he makes the he makes the point that you know in b2c marketing to be honest, there has been somewhat of a um, a degradation of the discipline. So, you know, B2C marketing, unfortunately, has increasingly become about specifically about communications, basically. Whereas in the field that I operate in, in, in financial markets, and particularly in B2B financial markets, I find the responsibilities that have been landed on my plate and my team's plate have become increasingly strategic. So, you know, not only are you the communications department, but you're actually making, you know, active decisions about the the positioning of the company, the 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 approach to um, target markets, how which target markets to go after, what's your commercial approach to those guys? You know, in in my current role, I I, I report directly into the chief commercial officer, and together we we define the 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 entire organization's approach to how we um how we speak to our markets which markets we go after and how we speak to our markets and how we develop propositions that appeal to those markets so i think you know uh, i think what why why am i in this field in financial services and why do i enjoy it i suppose i think increasingly i felt like it's actually one of the 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 areas of the, the one of the industries one of the areas where marketing probably has a an increasingly important role to play i mean that's that's certainly been my experience hmm. interesting so um basically what you're saying is that the industry has changed a lot in the past 10 years and it's getting more exciting it's less kind of corporate and structured and processed and all that and and the second point is that you think your role as a marketer is much more important and strategic than let's say, you know, selling, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, whatever um, food at uh, crafts or. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's a, that's a, it's, a, yeah, that's a good, a good summary, basically, of where I'm at. I think I'd probably be hesitant to say, because, you know, I don't want to do down on any, any B2C marketers out there or, or um, and, you know, I certainly, like I said, I haven't got a huge amount of experience of that role. So, of that world so it, it might not be i'm sure it's not the case at every firm and i'm sure there's 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 ones where b2c marketing and and the marketing functions within fmcg groups are held up at the highest level and you know some some of those examples that i was talking about earlier like unilever and the big fmcg groups i know how highly brand is regarded within those but but i do think there is a a general trend that in these particularly in the bigger um, B2C sort of corporate organizations, you just, you have other functions that manage those areas and you have, you have people to cover price, people to cover uh, product, people to cover proposition, you know, you, you have that, that, that's more, you know, diffuse. So 
the role that marketing plays will inherently be at that bit smaller. So I think, you know, that that's partly, uh, you know, the, the thing that I enjoy about this role and certainly where I'm at now is that, you know, there is that ability to have that strategic voice because, you know, they just, the, the organization, certainly once you sit in a 200 person organization, that isn't that you know, huge re- scope of, of workforce to, to, to take off those little other bits of, of the role. And, you know, if you're, if you're a good marketing person, you revel in taking on that extra responsibility. And, and I think that's what, you know, I'm certainly finding in my role and the, what I'm enjoying, I guess. Awesome. Uh, do you, you know, that's a, probably a broad question, but uh, you, you know, I'm going to answer, I'm going to ask it very simply. Uh, what do you think it takes to to build a, a good brand in the in the financial industry today? Like, what are the the key pillars? The um, you know, I, I you know, if you had to give like a sort of playbook on how to get your your brand out, out there in this industry, what should you focus on? What should you pay attention to? So, I mean, I think your first thing is that the final financial industry is far broader than it has ever been so like i think whereas you know in in years gone by what what people meant by the financial industry was probably quite specific and so you could probably apply a set of rules to okay well this is this is what strong brands look like in in the financial industry i think as the financial industry has evolved and spread and and turned into a, a range of you know core services and um you know affiliated uh, industries and services um I, I think the differences in what makes a strong brand in each of those sectors are quite uh, are quite apparent so like so i guess i'm I, what i'm saying is i'm hesitant to say there are set rules for strong brands in financial services because financial services stretches from everything from you know barclays bank to apple pay to you know my uh my firm um to you know regtech to um uh to you know any of um uh, to, to any of a number of sort of quite specific um different uh different fields um within financial markets and i think what what makes a strong brand in those different areas is quite different uh what i would say and this is where i was i was sitting down with uh, one of our agencies the other day and we were talking about our own brand and um i think you know when 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 financial services companies are considering their brand and i mean when any, any company's considering their brand uh, there's there's an important decision to make between what um rules of your industry you want to follow and then what rules you want to break and basically and that 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 way of approaching branding i think is important across a number of industries it is important whenever you're approaching branding but particularly particularly in financial markets because there are such um there are such uh, uh, you know uh, there are generally conservative brands in financial markets and everyone follows quite similar um, branding templates and everyone has similar color palettes and that's because of a a desire to generally fit in and 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 that's sort of the point of which rules do you want to follow so that you look like you belong in an industry but then i think the point of the conversation i was having with our branding industry uh, of our 
with our branding agency was, you know, that's great. And you absolutely have to work out how you can look and feel like a, a company that fits in that space. So when someone is looking for a solution in, in your area, whether that's asset management, banking, wealth management, fintech, you know, they, 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 you appear like a brand that, that, that makes sense there. However, really then zero in on which are the rules you want to break so that as well as, you know, fitting into an industry, you stand out. So, so find those, make them authentic to your brand, make sure you're making decisions, not based on, well, we're just doing this because it's different, make them authentic to what your brand's about, but, but, but really leverage those. And that's something, to be honest, we're, as you know, like I said, I'm, I've only been at Demica for a few months, but that's something we're really zeroing in on, on in terms of our brand's evolution is we don't want to fundamentally change anything really about how we appear as a brand but we do want to consider which of those rules and which of those things about our brand, which we really want to make us stand out from the, the industry and stand out from our competitors. Interesting. Do you, do you have any leads on that? Like you could share with us or. Um, I think, you know, it basically it comes back to, and in, it, I suppose it comes back to my point about being authentic. So our, our, our brand platform, our, our why, if you want, you know, Simon Sinek sort of start with why, um, is um, to unlock potential. So like I said, we're, we're, we're a business that basically helps corporates unlock capital, essentially, which is currently locked up in their invoices. So our, our, our start with why, our, our, our purpose, our brand statement is that we can help you unlock potential. And that's why we get up every day. That's why we go to work. That's why we do what we do. You know, the how we do what we do is, is by transforming working capital. And what we're trying to do at the moment is uh, develop some sort of messaging framework or some sort of ladder which says, okay, well, if that's our how and our why, how do we apply that in a way that makes our brand stand out? And I don't just mean, you know, what does that mean in terms of some copy on an advert? I mean, what are the things that we're going to make really distinctive about our brand to say, well, if we believe that, you know, there's all this latent potential waiting to be unlocked in, in corporate organizations, what does that mean about how, how we speak about our business, how we, how we appear on our website? What does that make? How does that make us different from the other competitors in our market? I, I'm sort of talking about this because this is a, this is a process we're going through and I don't think we have the answers, but we've certainly, started to ask i think some of the right questions and that's um and that and that's i think coming back to your original question of what can financial markets brands do financial services brands do to build strong brands i think your baseline is build something which looks like you fit in your like your you know real thing that's going to make you successful go from good to great is what's going to make you stand out and that's your that's your difference that you need to switch on and 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 it's not you know it's not like i said it's not a simple process it's not easy because it, it's got to feel authentic and real to who you are but um but it but it, if you get it right it can be you know incredibly powerful i love this thank you so much it's uh it's really interesting the way you you kind of uh, you know put together that because it, it's true that it's actually leads me to a question i want to ask you too um it's true that it's an industry where 
things tend to move slow because you have and and needs to be structured because you have so much compliance right i mean um, tell me if i'm mistaken but that's that's the kind of vision i have from outside um and so the question i wanted to ask is you know um, as marketers today you, you have so much um tools data uh, ways to test ideas to move fast, faster than you know, um, th- than you could ever you know do before because uh, because of digital basically and uh, because of what you can do with it. Um, but how do, how does that translate in the financial industry? Do you feel like um, you know you can you can move fast, you can test things, um, and uh, you know have that kind of iteration process? Um, or is it still very complicated to move around and you need to comply with so many things, you need to make things, you know, go through so many people? Like, what's your feeling about this? I mean, it's a, it's a good question. I think there's a, there's a few parts because there's the, the part about data, which I, I, I'd love to talk about. And I'll, I'll sort of give you my download on that in a second. Um, but um, uh, I think the, the, the second part, which you asked about around you know, going through processes and getting things done, you know, my personal experience is that's less a facet of the industry you work in. And uh, really the biggest correlation is that I've found is in terms of the size of the organization you work for. And like, I'm, I'm saying that I'm speaking as someone who has literally, you know, a few months ago made the jump from 16,000 people to 200 people. And uh, I think, I have been, you know, really pleased and, you know, part of the reason for my move was the, the ability to get stuff done, the ability to, to, to go from ideation to planning to execution to analysis at, at just, you know, a, a fraction of the time that you, that you take, that, that it takes within a large corporate organization. And, you know, I, I've got a few things that we're working on at the moment that that I'm really, you know, genuinely excited by. And I think that's just so much harder in a big, in a, in a big corporate organization, you know, you, and, 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 and listen, there are, there are lots of benefits to, to working in that big corporate organization. And and I think I would, you know, if I was going to sort of give a piece of advice to people earlier on in their marketing career, I would say, a bit of both you you would learn you learn a huge amount sort of experiencing both sorts but i think in terms of what you were talking about of like are there limits on execution and do things take longer that scale and that size inevitably does just slow things down um to sort of come back to your point about data i think you know um i sort of take that as a slightly separate point um because yeah you're right the there is so much data um, available to marketers now, to businesses generally. I think my, my, my view on that is you have to be really careful with data because there is, because there is so much, uh, attend- there's so much data available, there is a tendency to measure for measurement's sake. And, you know, even moving to my small, you know, small organization I'm at now, um, you know, predominantly staffed by former bankers. So you can imagine they like a spreadsheet. Like it's, it's, it's that there, there, there is sometimes a focus on data 
while losing a focus on what are the end outcomes you're actually trying to drive and does the data you're collecting help you understand the progress you're making towards those outcomes so like you know I, I've, I've heard a number of um uh you know good analogies i think um I think yeah, you, you mentioned you, you'd read one or two of my blogs, I think, and one of them I talked about data and I said, you know, um, you know, there, there's a danger like, you know, the way I heard it, I like it, the way that a drunk person uses a, a lamppost for support rather than illumination. And there is a tendency sometimes in business to say, well, we did this thing and it was good. Here's the data to, 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 to show it, as opposed to using the data to continually check your progress against your stated objectives and understand whether you need to course correct. And I think to do that, you have to just be really dead set on what is the end outcome you're trying to drive, like your, your, your annual, your, your full year goal, your full year target, you know, is that, you know, number of leads, uh, you know, number of opportunities, is that revenue growth, is that increase in, you know, brand awareness scores, whatever. And then build back from that, you know, sort of reverse back down the track and go, well, if I need to get to this data point at the end of the year, what are all the other data points I need to get to before that? And then you measure against that. And then you find yourself measuring the things that matter because you, you know they're supportive of the end goal you're trying to get to. And you find yourself adapting, right? You find yourself saying, well, actually, we know that in order to get to our full year goal by end of Q1, we wanted to have hit X, Y, and Z targets in these different areas. We haven't. So why has that happened? And what can we learn from it? And how do we need to adapt for Q2? So like, I love data and, you know, I think by marketing standards, I'm probably re relatively more of the sort of analytical end of the spectrum rather than the creative end. But I think you just have to be really careful and make sure that the data um, that you're using is helping you achieve the end goal that you, you, you've set yourself or you've been set. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely share that. Uh... That insight and um, yeah, I think it's uh, it can definitely be a, a sort of black hole of uh, indecisiveness if you start like um, you know looking at data and uh, overanalyzing everything and uh, and sometimes the the, the 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 vision it can give you is completely flawed because um, you know projects uh, sometimes have a sort of a random factor in them. I don't know if you see what I mean, but uh, sometimes uh, something is not going to work for a couple of months and then suddenly out of nowhere, it's going to start working and it's hard to explain with data. And so you can shut down things very quickly for the wrong reasons. You can overthink a lot. So yeah, I definitely agree on, the, on that, uh, that point. Yeah. And I think, you know, on B2B marketing, it's so much the case that, you know, there's a focus on lead generation right and I'm, rightly so that's that at the end of the day particularly in b2b is is what you're here to do but you know unless you are an in you know you have some intelligence in terms of your marketing approach you know if all you check is well did this tactic did this campaign generate leads then you miss 
a huge chunk of what other what your marketing is supposed to be achieving and equally you, you might dismiss some activities which actually had loads of other benefits so I think you know and I, I was speaking to to my boss uh, not long ago about a specific tactic which he said oh well I, I don't think you know it didn't really um, achieve what it was supposed to achieve and I asked him I said well what what were what were the objectives we set going into it what was it supposed to achieve and he said oh well I don't really know I think we thought it was going to generate us leads and my point I wasn't trying to make him feel stupid or anything but like because that's a dangerous thing to do to your new boss but like uh but i i was trying to make the point that you know different tactics different campaigns in marketing will be uh, will help achieve different things so you just want to be really sure that you know you understand the reason you're doing a specific tactic uh, or a campaign or whatever and and find a data point that can help you measure the success of that and you know that might be number of impressions that that gets to number of form fills that you got for your white paper number of you know um web visits site visits or it might be number of leads you you, you generate but like you can see how at different levels of the you know the lead funnel the marketing funnel different metrics and measures make sense and then the data that you get once you start looking at it like that becomes much more nuanced and much richer and, and, and better at helping you make decisions. Absolutely. Um, and that's a, uh, that's a big problem in B2B in general. I think it's, uh, it's uh, across the board, like for all B2B companies, we, we tend to just uh, uh, shut down uh, a lot of the branding initiatives that can have a very long-term impact on the, on the company. Um, and so talking about tactics, um, I'm curious, like you, you are, you are selling to, you know, B2B clients, right? So, um, tell me a little bit about the kind of projects you, you guys are undertaking, the kind of tactics you use, uh, what's working, what's not working. Like, how do you, uh, what's kind of your experience on selling to the, to the crowd you're selling to today? So, I mean, like I said, you know, in the, the specific crowd I'm selling to, I've, you know, only been in role a few months. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to sort of espouse that I've, I've got that all wrapped up and I know exactly what I'm doing. I think, you know, there are some general uh, tactics in B2B that I've found to be quite successful. Um, and I think, you know, uh, the, 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 you know, the most fundamental point is, is, is strong content. And like, and I think, but I would sort of caveat that with, you know, content marketing has been, you know, around for like 20 years or something. And, you know, every B2B organization under the sun is doing content marketing. So, when you as an organization are thinking about content as a b2b organization and you're you're you're, you're a marketing team thinking about content i think the things that i've seen be most successful and that I've, I've found most successful in the in the campaigns that you know me and my teams have worked on is where you're not just throwing something out there because you need to generate content and you're not just throwing something out there because all your competitors are saying something on it or it's a you know it's an industry theme so we've got to have a position on it w ones where you're really laser focused on do we have something you know is it does this this challenge or opportunity really matter to our market right now do they really care about it and and then 
do we have something genuinely interesting, proprietary, you know, unique to add to this conversation, to, to help them face this challenge or opportunity? And that might be in the case of, you know, uh, a proprietary data set that you guys hold that you can like, that you can turn into, um, to, you can derive insight from. So, you know, I take the example of the organization I, I work for at the moment, Demica, we're, we're in a really fortunate position where because billions of, of dollars of invoices flow through our platform every month, and they, those are segmented by sector, what we can produce is anonymized sector by sector um, data reports that show, and particularly we've done this through the, the COVID um, pandemic, you know, show the performance of different sectors through, um, through the pandemic and which ones are doing well and which ones are struggling and where, you know, banks and, and other, other, you know, corporates might like to, might need to consider some of this in terms of their approach going forward. So, to me, that's that's really that's proprietary data that we hold that we can use to 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 help you know uh, face a challenge which you know currently banks and corporates are both facing, which is what are the working capital requirements of of these industries going to be over the next three, six, twelve months? So they they've got that question, and we've got something which can help them answer that. And and I think you know you know a data set is great, but even if it's if you don't have those data sets i'd say like something you know you, you usually within an organization there is a huge immense amount of specific knowledge you know uh, contained within within your your staff you know you you the reason that you exist the reason that a company is you know doing well is that you know something about something you're specialists in something you 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 could you you have knowledge and you know uh, and insights that other people don't have so if you can find a way to sort of package that up and use it in your content marketing then you're then then again i think that's a really powerful thing to use and then you know to get tactical about it how you then take though that content and insights out to market you know in, in b2b webinars are notoriously successful because you know they they're, they're a good way to interact with the audience you capture data which you can you know feed into your lead generation engine um and uh, and you can, you know, you can interact with people there, you can use polling and, you know, webinars are a nice tactic. Equally written content is, you know, you can use, um, you can develop into white papers, blogs. Um, and then, you know, increasingly, as financial markets has changed, working out how you cut bits of that content into sort of short shorter um you know uh, bite-sized pieces which you can you know you which you can use through social that that that's something we're also looking at and i think you know whereas financial markets uh you know a few years ago social media and communicating through social wasn't so prevalent now um you can see some sort of brands doing it more and more and we're going to be doing it too which is basically just you know if you want to share insights, do you do you do you have to share them through a blog, or can you get, for instance, as we're doing, you know, our chief commercial officer recording a sixty-second video, which just talks about some of the data, shows it on screen, and gives his analysis, and that's quite a nice way to present it. So, I mean, I, I think there's you know a range of tactical things that you can do um, to you know engage with people, but I think the point that I would always make is if you underpin it with something really like really good content which is like i said really relevant to the people you're trying to target speaks to them on a level that they are you know that if it's a challenge they're facing uh 
and 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 then you can offer something that you know is is a bit unique is a bit proprietary then i think that that's how how you you know uh, that, that that that's how you build successful marketing campaigns yeah thanks i uh, i i think it's a uh, it's um I, I definitely agree with having something unique and uh kind of leveraging your your products your data and having something uh different to say and and not following trends and all that so the 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 complicated thing uh, um you know once you've got once you've got that and you're you're actually doing that um there's still something that is i think complex is uh, is testing out the ideas before investing in them so i don't know if you have a process you can share with us uh, about that and i don't know i think it's um my, my point is that uh, you can very easily have a wrong idea about what could be interesting for your audience because as as much as you know, we love to think that we know what people want and we, it's always hard to, to get it right. And uh, sometimes you get the topic right, but the format is not right or the timing is not right. Or, and so it's, it's a risky business, but there's a, I'm interested in the process of making it less risky by testing things. So do you have any insights to share about this? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, the, the point around testing things before you, you know invest too heavily uh, in your marketing i think is is an interesting one i think there are to be honest quite a lot of tactics within b2b marketing which are relatively low cost so you know the potential to you know start seeding out content based on certain themes and gathering feedback you know, you've got quite a lot of opportunity there. And, you know, so when I talk about things, you know, a webinar platform is relatively, you know, you can get those relatively uh, cheaply. Um, writing a blog and publishing it on your website and sharing that, you know, via your via your internal staff, via social, or then if you if you want to get an email automation platform and 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 sending that out, you know, um, that that's relatively um, cheap. And then, you know, I mean, using your, um, your 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 colleagues, your your staff, your teams' um, connections with the industry to gather some of that feedback, I think is you know that, that that can be quite effective. I think once those that you know that initial input starts coming in, I agree you can that you can sort of double down on specific themes and start investing against them. But I think you know you. I think you you, you 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 it's not that challenging to get a good idea of what are the major themes that matter within your market. I think I mean my my personal view and personal experience is the more challenging thing is what's your unique thing that you've got to say on that. What's your unique value add? So you know, I I, I think you know I've like I said I've worked in financial markets a lot, and so you know the the examples I have are always tend to be around i mean we've we've done we've done lots of stuff around regulation because for for, for well basically since the financial crash a big perennial theme in financial services has been regulation so everyone tended to want to consume content about that so so that's a, that was always an easy one to to jump on and and you know in some of my roles i've had you know i've been lucky that the business i've worked for we've had uh, you know, a strong content, you know, and a strong view and a strong um, uh, perspective to add on how firms can solve for those regulations, you know, but but I, I think 
if you're if you're in B2B particularly, there's industry publications that you can source from. There's uh, there's uh, there's conferences. There's you know you, you as long as you're engaging with the industry, I, I don't think personally the challenge is so much. Shit, are we are we talking about the right? Uh, are we talking about the right thing? You know, it's not so much is this the right challenge or 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 um, or, uh, or opportunity that our market's facing. It's much more is what we're producing going to make a splash or is it going to sort of land without an impact like is is are we spending 60 grand on producing a white paper with some third party and actually that white paper is a bit like every other company's white paper and uh, by the way i've done that too so you know like i'm not i don't have all the answers i've certainly made my mistakes but i think my 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 in terms of sort of where i'd focus as you're as you're building out your content plan around uh around your marketing i think the conversation around what are the major themes that our audience cares about should be relatively short and you can source those and yeah you can test them by building content and seeing what engages people but i think that's sort of the easier bit i think the harder bit is really is 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 the content creation and making sure you've got something that that, that adds a adds a perspective mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i um yeah, I see what you mean. It's uh, it's true that it's 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 difficult. But anyways, I mean in general, it's a um, it's a, it's a difficult approach to marketing. It it certainly is uh, uh, risky, as I said, and uh, you always have to test, and uh, most of the the initiatives will fail. Or, um, but yeah, it's it's important to, as you said, to engage with uh, with the industry as much as possible. And uh, so, you know, that's uh, that's actually something I. Uh, I wanted to ask you. Um, it's it's maybe we can we can wrap up the the episode with it. But uh, the you know you're so you're you're a marketing director now. We all have different uh, different drivers, different motivators uh, to you know what makes our uh, our job exciting. What 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 really you know gets us uh, fired up and and going. And you know what 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 drives you as a marketing director today? What what could you share with us on what motivates you? I think you know, and we were talking about it before we before we went on the on the on the call. But you know, an interest in marketing as a discipline, right? Like, I I I, I am just so hugely and sort of geekily passionate about marketing as as something that is important to organisations, and I think continually like finessing and learning that and and learning the discipline and learning it as it evolves and learning how marketing can add a can add value to the organization and and learning about the the industry that I work in and the audience and what they care about and what you know what gets them up in the morning what means a good day for them what means a really crappy day for them like I, I think that that drive to to learn and be better it's it's a bit it's a bit cliche but like that's so enjoyable and so satisfying as you find yourself yeah actually I am getting better like you know you know talking to you now like it's it's great to be able to talk these things out and realize that over the course of you know a a 10-year career so far you know I've gradually learned these things these things aren't you know things aren't things that I have you know written down somewhere I'm not talking to you from a script these are things that I've built up and this is knowledge that I've built up over the years so like I think that's that that's what drives me is that that desire to keep getting better and keep you know 
adding more value in the roles I can you know I think that there's nothing more satisfying than feeling like you're making an impact and and I think you know the, the better I get the more I learn about my role the more I engage with the industry the more I engage with you know my marketing peers I can see how the the work I do the value I bring to my organization the value I bring to my team you know it grows and and that that in its I find that very satisfying Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Dan, for, uh, for taking the time to, to talk to me today. Um, do you have um, somewhere we can connect with you online, maybe, if we want to ask a question? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, my, um, I'm on LinkedIn under Daniel O'Hara, um, so you'll find me there. Um, I, I have a, a blog, which, as you pointed out, Badis, I'm, I'm, I've been terrible at keeping updated, but, you know, I think some of the things that I wrote, I've written on there over the years, are basically reflective of what I've um, uh, said to you now. And I, I think the um, the link to that is in my is in my LinkedIn profile. Um, happy to connect with anyone at any time who wants to talk about marketing. Um, uh, like I said, I'm a bit of a marketing nerd. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's the best best place to find me. And yeah, um, look me up if anyone wants to have a chat. Thank you, Dan. Thank you so much. No worries. Thanks, Fadis. Bye bye. Thanks.